This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right, welcome, Jocelyn Daher. Is that how I say it? It's dare, like I dare you. Dare, Jocelyn Dare. I dared her to be on the Breaking Normal podcast. And she's here. We're here in Sedona, Arizona, and um, we're here for our next event, like leading up to it, and we might even stay. We've been saying that for a while now, but we'll see. I love that. Sedona's definitely feeling extra vortexy. And the one thing I noticed, and I'm curious uh, what you think about this, I don't know if we've ever announced an event. I've done about 50 events or mm-hmm. so, and I've never seen a place that has so much global draw. Oh, Yeah. Um, you have anything to say about I, why does Sedona have so much global draw and why are you here and how did you get here? And I, just so everyone knows, um, I guess I, how I think I know you was years ago we met online. There mm-hmm. were some posts that you made that might have been going on. And it was simultaneously, me and Dan are watching, or Dan and I are watching Spirit Science. Yeah. And I think it, you, were, you were a writer or maybe are. Uh-huh. Okay. That's how I got connected to you, I believe. Yeah. And then just seeing you online flourish is like, uh, inspiring ally stay in touch and now we're here together yeah so it's a cool uh, opportunity to drop in and just so people know if they don't know you on your instagram i think the only thing i saw was holistic sexuality yeah so that might be a current passion and theme we can dive into great and then anything else like how would else other people know about you and then why are you, then we'll jump yeah. into sedona yeah so i started off um basically just teaching people the basics of meditation um there was this huge rush of, you know, new age information, uh, around like 2012 after that time. And I, I just happened to be involved or dating a guy at the time that was a part of, um, like this conscious blog network. And so, um, I actually did, a, a meditation that I facilitated for beginners. And, um, there was like 25,000 people that, was like on this synchronized meditation. And that was kind of the start of my career of like writing for these blogs and um, our online magazines and then helping people to really tap into their more intuitive self. Um, that's like healthy living and lifestyle. But then, cause I was more of like a lifestyle coach back then and, um, and their intuition, like tapping into some of the stuff Deanna does, but I don't do the dream stuff. It's more like the waking Um, alchemy like symbols that come into your life or relationships like what you're working through with patterns and stuff so that's that's what I used to do back in 2015 and just recently I started really awakening this part in me that wanted to hone in on the relational aspects like relationships you know because they're really powerful containers that we can utilize on a daily basis to transform ourselves um so so yeah so that's what i do now um that's why i call it why i call it holistic sexuality is because i have studied over the last 15 years i've studied like typical women's biology and male biology, like how we're different in the brain and how we relate. And then also um, Tantra. So like three different paths of Tantra. Um, And then the last part is just like, like intuited kind of spirituality that gets mixed in there. But I like to utilize science and spirituality together. That's kind of how, if anybody's seen me on spirit science, it's like my main thing is like researching everything so that it isn't so woo woo so that we can like really put it into a digestible and relatable practical way of applying it. And uh, so that's what I like. I like doing. 
That's awesome. That gives us a lot to explore out loud here yeah. for everyone to enjoy. And thank you. Thank you for that awesome intro. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, the symbols. Okay. So speaking of symbols on, in this waking dream of life, that's I was complimenting you on that uh, piece that you have on your neck here because that's quite the symbol. And mm. I just, especially for anyone that hasn't watched Spirit Science, that's a what you said about like bridging the gap and making the woo-woo more digestible for yeah. maybe the, the more pragmatic mind, that show is uh, really brilliant at doing that. Oh, so, yeah. And you're, you contributing to it, I think, has contributed to many people's lives. Mm. I would say much more than 25,000 if I had to guess. Thank you. And then um, I actually, I wanted to ask about the symbol, but before the meditation, you did it for 25,000 people. What was the largest group you've led in meditation before that? That was it. There was none. Okay. So like, like I started off with just yoga and mm -hmm. then working as a chiropractic assistant. And when I worked for him, he's like internationally known. And so we would see over two, like 250 patients a week, like on average. And so I was constantly asking them, what's your physical, emotional and like... Uh, chemical stressors in your life and I started seeing these patterns like kind of like what Louise Hay talks about with like if somebody had back problems they would be like oh I'm, I'm having issues with money or like a guy would come in and be like oh my shoulders you know my neck I can't move he's like I'm like well and then he starts talking about how oh I just I hold the weight of my family Right. So it's like I started seeing these patterns of like people talking about pains in their body and then like the emotional aspect and then I, that's what got me into yoga and then movements like uh, therapy. And then that's what got me into helping people into the mind because I was like, oh, well, like movement helps the mind, but we have to start with the mind. So then I started getting into like mindfulness and meditation, started doing meditation for myself. Um, yeah, and it's super it's kind of whimsical how I got into that because I had a dream of like this moon priestess and she came to me and she just said, um, she said, lead the meditation like really ominously. This was like in 2013. And then I was on Facebook and that's, I saw this meditation come up and I just asked them, Hey, do you have a meditation facilitator? And the guy was like, no. And then he, they were, they were like, do you have experience? And I'm like, well, I have experience with myself. And then they just invited me on. And so they just said, if you have the equipment where you live, because he lived in New Zealand, then, and I lived all the way in North Carolina. They said, if you can just set up the broadcast, we'll, we'll just put it up for people. And that's pretty much how I got started. And then, and then I met uh, Jordan from Spirit Science shortly after that. Jordan Pierce, um, he, he's got a cool blogging and uh thing on youtube that you can watch his journeys too so cool the maker of spirit science and then that twenty-five thousand people i mean how different and do you believe there's a difference between if you were facilitating that for twenty-five thousand people live compared to online yeah actually because i've had the biggest group that i've ever facilitated was 500 people and i did um i did this kind of it was like a collective imprint. Like we have these archetypes that we live out, you know, um, Carl Jung talks about it. There's a great book about archetypes. Um, and so I touched on the priestess. I touched on like Jesus and Mary Magdalene and like the, cause I, I was brought up in a really, um, like I love Christianity in the sense of I had a real living experiential 
connection with Jesus. But then sometimes in that community, I felt like I, I felt like things weren't how I intuited. Like I intuited this like all encompassing love. And then sometimes I would see it be a little bit segmented or something. So then anyway, so I, I touched on this piece where I was talking kind of to the stigmas that we go through and like the separation that we go through as human beings and specifically for women, like women feeling like they need to be healers for men and like being the sacred prostitute. And, uh, there was like this spontaneous healing that happened. It was like the craziest thing, Dan, like literally like hundreds of people started crying in the crowd and just, it was this like, (laughs) it was this, um, but I, at the time I was like, I was praying to my angels and I was praying to the Christic like frequencies, like to the Christ energy, like in my heart. And I was praying for the healing. And so it's really interesting because I think that when we commit so fully to our own healing and to like help other people, it really catalyzes something powerful. It has the potential like that joint. um, There's this study out there that's called the Maharishi effect. If you haven't like looked at this, check it out. Um, It was a study by Harvard. And what they did was they took a bunch of monks, like Buddhist monks that had been meditating for like 20 years. And I bet that prayer would do the same. And they put them in a town that has a really high crime level. And they had them meditate there like just once. And it lowered the crime for three days up to 80%. And then they tested this many different times. So they used transcendental meditation to actually like permeate into the field of the collective and measured it scientifically. So that's what the the meditation that I did with the 25,000 people, that's what they based it on. They were like, well, if we can tap into 1% of the population, which would be around like 1 million, I think it was, but we didn't quite hit that number. But um, then we could, we could potentially like internationally, like around the world, lower crime. Yeah, that's, that is, I've heard some studies around this idea and it is very it's fascinating enough yeah. to take a look and consider what it means. Yeah. And that's cool that you've been a part of it. Where was that group of 500 people? That was in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. Wow, yeah. you get around. You get around. Because <laughs> I know when I first saw you, you were in New Zealand, I believe. Yeah. I believe. Yes, then, I was. Cool. Now here we're in Sedona and then that was in the Netherlands. Yeah. I've had some big moments in the Netherlands too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now the, the symbol. symbol, yeah, let's see, I have a feeling that could open up all kinds of doors as okay, well. Okay, cool. And check out the video at breakingnormal.com slash podcast uh, if you want to see the symbol we are alluding to, but I, I think it'll be kind of described as she goes through it. Yeah, I can describe it now. Um, so it's made out of silver. There's one of gold. There's only two made right now, which I find really, but anyway. It's so special because it was given to me by on my birthday and it's going to be the symbol that's on my book and it's it's um two it's basically around the egyptian lineage like that that work and it's two lotuses um and the flowers are kind of creating this opening like a portal and then below that hanging below is the ankh and so the the lotuses were if you for example if you were to look into plant medicines blue lotus is one of the plant constituents that will help you to go into the dream time and also wake up to the symbols that are happening in your life that are trying to kind of awaken you to different levels of healing or like maybe things that you need to pay attention to to help clear for your family or for the future or whatever um and the lotus is also the symbol of like 
completion of enlightenment of like wholeness and so these these flowers coming together that kind of create this like portal kind of like yoni like it's um since i'm working with women it's all about that connection to to our deeper um the the wholeness that's within this unity this like divine marriage that we can have within ourselves um so that we're not so reliant on people so that we're not reliant on our happiness being you know outside of ourselves and then that that way we can have better relationships to other people and below it you know that is the ankh and the ankh is the symbol in egyptian lineage for our eternal light body so it's tapping into that that deeper marriage within and um the balancing of the two hemispheres to create this really unified whole that's the symbol yeah i'm happy i asked it's a beautiful a beautiful piece of art and i'm excited to see that on your book one day thank you yes and um you mentioned the coming from like a conservative christian background kind yeah. of to a um like under maybe understanding a lot of the Egyptian roots and how they are connected to Christianity potentially. Uh, is there anything be, like, cause the, even the Ankh is very much very close in resemblance to what, the crucifix that That's most people right. wear, but it doesn't have the, the, the Ankh has the loop where the crucifix is more of a, just a cross. Dan, I'm so excited that you just asked that question. Yeah, please. So let's, <laughs> let's explore that. Those Cause ethers. Sedona fits into this. Okay, so there, there are, now we go back to the original yes. question. I'm happy you can keep up with my, uh, Oh, this pinball machine of thoughts. Oh yeah. We're like weaving a spider web right now. <laughs> Everything connects. So, so, um, basically, yeah, the Egyptian lineage connects to, in my belief, right? So this is not as like, you know, this is like the disclaimer. This is not biological like, or historical fact. A lot of this is me researching ancient, like pieces of ancient, uh, literature and, um, that has kind of been shrouded from the public. Some of them are like lost gospels that weren't put in the Bible, things like this. Um, and then putting this together to create the story. So if you're listening, keep that in mind. You know, um, you can do your own research uh, to, to do these things. And I'll try to mention some of the, if we, if we follow that trail that down the rabbit hole, <laughs> then I'll try to mention some of those pieces that I drew, draw from. But it's my understanding that like we miss the story of Jesus because uh, in the Bible, all we get to hear about is, and I was always so fascinated with this guy. Cause like, yeah, like you said, the cross, but then you see the Ankh and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. It's completed. And he, Christ is like the symbol of the light body it's like transcending death it's it's completing with the one infinite creator and I always loved that and I loved his like infinite capacity for love to humanity and I always felt this kind of living Christ energy but I felt like there were missing pieces I was like what is this like what so I started kind of going down this <laughs> journey to try to find out who the real like living Christ was that was living in my heart that I could feel but I wasn't hearing like in this like more conservative and like widely known form of Christianity and what I found was like these stories of these mystery schools like all around the world in ancient times that certain people like initiates or seekers would go to and they would get like into these rites of passage that they would start to illuminate these deeper uh, bits of knowledge within themselves to unify with like these more expanded aspects. And, um, you know, we, we've seen kind of those, 
those energies being used right now in society, I think, for like false leadership. But the original intention was for like uh, like the the best form of leadership. We're like in the Lion's Gate right now. So I like talking about the leader, like Leo Lion, the Lion King's out. But anyway, so like the positive form of a leader, the positive form of a, the masculine essence, like Yeshua's energy, I feel like was the positive form of leadership, which was for the all. It's like if you have someone that can see the whole picture and is keeping everyone in mind, like of course we're going to thrive. But then these systems got like got kind of distorted over time because people were taking that as power, like siphoning from the people instead of, oh, like I know all this knowledge and I'm here to exchange and, and give this energy to like for the whole. And that's why Jesus is such a powerful symbol. But I feel like what the story isn't talked about, which if you go to these cities, so I've gone to the South of France, I've gone to uh, I haven't gone to Israel yet, but I've gone to Egypt. Um, I've gone to Glastonbury. And these are where a lot of these ancient schools were here too in Sedona. So that's one of them. One of the root races were established here. Uh, and these these areas have very potent energies of those times because the civilization's rooted here, but also because of the geometrics of the um, how the cosmic energies are actually entering Earth, in my opinion, and, and interacting with, with the sphere, this sentient sphere we call earth and, and Gaia but um so so when you hear the original story of Jesus what we what we see is Jesus dies on the cross and then um he kind of disappears that's the story you know and 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 him being crucified is what is what saves us and it and it does because it gives us the trail to like follow him but they've like in my research they've missed really important parts and um the parts that are really important are there's this book that you can look up anybody can read it it's called the gospel of mary there's a second one if you're listening to this write it down the the pistis sophia and these two books they basically outline um that mary magdalene was jesus's closest disciple and not only that but she gave him pieces for us to piece together to be able to unlock this kind of matrix that we're all in and so after when you read the the gospel of mary what you read is that disciples come to them or come to her sorry because if you remember in the crucifixion mary's the first one that discovers jesus and so why would he why would he appear to just like some prostitute you know if it wasn't like, why would she be the first one that he would come to? Make your own conclusions. I'm not stating this as fact. But. So on that, just so according to the Bible, though, if I remember correctly, yeah. when you said that Jesus just dis disappeared, didn't he come back in spirit form and inform the disciples that he is risen? Yes. Okay. All right. So and you're saying you're... the spirit of Jesus visited Mary first or Mary was the first to visit his body in the Tomb. It's both. Both. Okay, cool. So Jesus yeah, was great. So I'm, Mary, I'm putting now your story yeah. to my story. I'm like, how did they I'm yeah, rattling mine? Good, because <laughs> people are going to be probably thinking the same thing if they know the original stories. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, Jesus obviously ri rises from the um, from the dead in spirit form and, and ascends into his light body. But what I'm addressing here is... Um, in the piece to Sophia, what I was what I was going to get to is that Mary, based, so the, all of the 
or it's more like Peter. Peter is the one that's jealous because he was a rabbi originally, and he's jealous at the fact that Mary was the one that got these secret lineages. So he comes to Mary and he says, you know, what, what is it that Jesus told you that he didn't tell us? And then so Mary starts kind of imparting some of these secrets. And not only that, but in the Gnostic teachings, which are the original teachings of, of Christ, in my opinion, um, they weren't included in, in the Roman Catholic Church. Get that? The Roman Catholic, the Romans are the ones that crucified Christ. So it's interesting. So Peter, in, in my experience, so and what I've read, Peter is the one that, that stayed in, uh, stayed in uh, Israel with the Roman Catholic, what turned into the Roman Catholic Church, and then spread what we know as Christianity. Mary went on to tell, like orally, so she passed this on through story. The story is, if you go to the south of France, she escaped there, was hiding in caves because they wanted to kill that lineage. And um, what we what we get from that is the Peace of Sophia. And the Peace of Sophia right, is like a whole writing out of Jesus actually returning in spirit form after the ascension. And he's there telling Mary how you transgress all of the different levels of karma that we play out in our belief systems. And, and he says that the planets, all of the planets in the solar system that we witness, they, they represent certain vibrational realms that cause these levels of karmic imposition or like karmic suffering. And so, so there's like huge pieces in my opinion that are missing. Yeah, that's, uh, this is very fascinating. That, um, the second book that you're referencing, what was it? The Peace to Sophia. The Peace to Sophia. And how you, how you spell that is going to be P-I-S-T-I-S and then Sophia S-O-P-H-I-A. Oh yeah. What's the origin of that book? Is there any, when did it come out? Yeah, it's, it's 200 years after Jesus died. So that's why it has a lot of controversy around it. But in my opinion, that's only because at the time, if you look back in history, the Crusades were going on. So it's like anybody that was representing Christ was dying. They were getting cru- they were getting crucified. I mean, you see the majority of the disciples, except for Peter and, and um, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I feel like, was divinely protected. But Peter, Peter gets sheltered by the church. You know, eventually he dies as well as a martyr. And then and then all of the other disciples, they die at, at the hand of the government because the government was so afraid of this religion taking power because Christianity in its original roots was saying, you don't have to go to a rabbi. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a church. The church is in your heart. And you're already a, a divine son and daughter of the one infinite God, you know, um, that is in everything that is permeating everything. And that was dangerous because it, it dismantled the control systems, you know, oh, so yeah, Jesus was an activist. Yep. Yep. I definitely think is, uh, it's interesting to think of how blasphemous Jesus was, probably was when <laughs> yeah. he was walking earth. Yes. He's probably one of the most blasphemous people. And now <laughs> Absolutely. it's kind of crazy to think about how so much Pharisee energy has since, um, kind of infiltrated the meme slash religion of Christianity. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. it is pretty fat. That's a big, big topic, and it's definitely. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Neville Goddard. Have you ever heard of this guy? I've heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm listening to his complete reader. So I have like 30 minutes left, and he purely thinks, or from my understanding, and I'll see how this lands on you. I'm, yeah. So I'm kind of reporting what I've been learning from Neville. So don't, don't throw a stone at the messenger here. <laughs> <laughs> that the, the Bible is purely a psychological thriller to as uh, for like a treasure map for the soul mm-hmm. and that nice. um that everything is metaphorical in the bible and that he, he claims it can't be literal because if it was then the people in the east would understand it differently than the people in the west mm-hmm. like there's some things that are literal would just be the opposite or contradictory so it's and and that the soul doesn't think and such constraints of time and space and li- yeah. literality and pragmatic and what's pra- rational. Mm-hmm. So they make it very, it's like a very archetypal, metaphorical, psychological thriller to understand uh, that, to help people understand that they are I am. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. that. That's what we truly are I am. And then uh, Mary is the divine feminine or the receptive one to our desires that we or our thoughts that we choose enough to focus on that's mm-hmm. how we impregnate the virgin mary and manifest our desires and integrate the soul with our human experience yes that's kind of like my summary of what i picked up on nice. and he's a big believer in that if you want to like if i want to if you, is it, if there's something that we're going for tomorrow like if you want to have a good day tomorrow to just rem- remember having that good day and, and start embodying it now mm. and that's that and so it, and so it is yeah and then if it doesn't come out that way it's like you, that that your thoughts like the thought how you're interpreting it and the thoughts is all about the thoughts and the desires and which ones to focus on and which ones to weed out yeah and he goes through all the 12 disciples and which one they metaphorically mean it's uh, it's pretty wild. Oh, that's yeah, it's great. a wild one. But the uh, Peast of Sophia. It's Peastus of Sophia. Peastus. Peastus of Sophia. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fascinating one. Yeah. Yeah. It's very metaphorical, too. Because mm-hmm. it's about, you know, it's it, it talks in that kind of dream time language where you're you're hearing about archetypes and you're, you know, but then also the, the stories are weaved in there of how the, yeah, apparently, you know, Jesus came back because he said, there's no way you guys are going to make it through these sacraments. <laughs> like, you're not going to be able to get through these different things without these stories. So I mean, then the stories are in there. That And that reminds me, I wanted to loop back. Uh, <laughs> when G- you mentioned the mystery schools and Jesus is like not his full timeline being in the Bible. And like, that's kind of mystery, mis- yeah. mysterious. Is, is it your belief that he was attending these mystery schools? I, that's what Absolutely. I, okay. And then... What, like, how do you, what do you imagine that looked like? I'm curious. Yeah. If you had to guess or if you, maybe you think you know, I don't know. I, I have a small glimpse. My, my expertise, I would say more, I've had a lot more contact with Mary Magdalene. So not Mother Mary, like the Virgin Mary, but Mother Mary, or I mean, Mary Magdalene, the, what I believe to be the counterpart of Jesus. So I've had lots of visions of like what her life probably was like before she met Jesus. But um, I've heard from a few different people as I was on my travels, some really interesting stories. And, and not just by the people themselves, but the people permeating what's been in the culture for like thousands of years now. So there's like, if you go to these small towns, like in Glastonbury and also certain towns in the south of France, they're still studying these 
or they're still telling these old stories of how Jesus went to India, how Jesus went to Glastonbury and how his uncle was a mercenary called Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea was the one who actually built the church, the abbey. He was a part of the, um, the grail lineage. And so like, if you go there, you kind of start piecing together these stories where you're like, oh, wait, like maybe this was way more multidimensional, <laughs> you know, because you, you hear about Joseph of Arimathea being the uncle of Jesus, and then he built the abbey, and then the abbey is where King Arthur is buried. And King Arthur, they say on the land, the people speak this, right? So we're not hearing this in a book or anything yet, but it's like living wisdom or something on the land. They'll tell you that the reason why, one of the reasons why King Arthur was so prominent is because he was guarding the Holy Grail, whatever that was, which was from Jesus's lineage. So it's like this really interesting thing. There's this, you know, so anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm inviting you to do this kind of work with me to try to piece this mysterious puzzle apart because what I find is that I, when I go to these places, I have more questions and I have some more answers, but I have more questions because I, because of everything that I'm learning, you know? So. Yeah. That, that reminds, I mean, I have a belief that really questions in this weird way are the answers. Yeah. That like, I don't know if it was meant to be pinpointed exactly yeah. as much to be, ex- as much to be explored. Yeah. Cause I think that Jesus, you know, we're, we're all at the end of the day, archetypes are really just that they're archetypes and they're there to help us in our journey. They're here to help us, you know, um, piece apart the areas where we're suffering or the areas where we're not feeling complete or we're not feeling aligned or we're not living the life that we want to be. We're in, you know, these patterns that we need to break free from. And so um, that's why these stories I feel like are so powerful about, you know, King Arthur and uh, the Celtic goddesses and Jesus is because they model, uh, you know, they touch certain people, not because it's the ultimate, you know, like, it doesn't have to be the ultimate religion for you or like the ultimate lineage that you study. It's like, what is speaking to you? What, what is, what is getting touched in your being by the story and what are you wanting to extract from it to then implement into your life to help transform it, to help live the life that you ultimately want to and to help as many others as you can. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I did a podcast, a solo, I did one solo cast and it was called Am I a Christian? And I just explored this and it was very, I had definitely a very similar, I explored a similar resonance to the idea of like being in church and that, that, uh, I would judge there is heart sync in church, especially when the music is playing. Oh. <laughs> so there's the definitely Holy heart Spirit? sync in yes. the Holy Spirit in churches. I'm not it feels denying like that. It's like flowing water. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway. But there's yeah. also, I've been parts of like, man, this is like group think. And I don't know if it's because of my, my grandparents were in the Holocaust <laughs> or like what. I'm like, this is like, oh, something strange. So I've definitely done a lot of inner and outer research. And one thing I'll say um, about like the idea of how that's so crazy to think, even if the Bible is literal, like this, how, how crazy mm-hmm. you think that there is one savior for everybody. Yeah. And I, 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 there is one part that I don't think I explored in the other podcast, which I'll, I invite y'all to check out. 
but it definitely gets me thinking about um, myself that I'm a living universe right here. Yeah. I, like in a way, I potentially everything I see is like a reflection of a dimension, a dimension of myself. Yeah. And and maybe I see what I'm looking for most of the time, potentially. Yeah. And. Anyways, I am producing, I, I, uh, to the holistic sexuality, this would probably be a good time for us to dive into that topic. I, well, this is how they're connected. Now we can connect holistic sexuality and Jesus. Good. And, um, as a man, I produce so many, so many sperm throughout my lifetime that could, they all have the potentiality of creating another human universe. And it all, but the thing is, it's only one that does it. Yeah. And that's where I like. I've been aiming to figure out how that's connected to Jesus. Like, does Jesus represent the winning sperm in the sense that if we can all believe in what Jesus was preaching, especially around for me, like the ideas of unconditional love, yeah. then do we all win as a as a humanity? And maybe Jesus is the symbol that we get, to, or the whatever the symbol is that most what is mm-hmm. the symbol for humans to team up fully? What is that symbol? Is it Jesus? Is Jesus the winning sperm, or is it what Jesus was embodying? Because I definitely don't want my sperm to be like. There is a thing about them not. I want them to compete. I want them to compete. So I do think competition is cooperation, and I think conflict mm-hmm. and disagreement. These are all part of the journey. Um, I just don't, I think when it's people are killing each other over these topics or these ideas is when that's like an autoimmune disorder. That'd be metaphorically like an autoimmune issue. Absolutely. Like I would never want my sperm to kill each other, but I do want them (laughs) to compete as much as they can. So, and because there's one that's going to create the new world. Yes. It's one that's going to create the new earth. That's a really cool, um, connection. Because, well, going deeper into this, that that connection, Dan, like that's what got me into holistic sexuality. Because at first I always had this kind of split in me because I've always been inherently not sexual because I was taught by my mom. Luckily, she was like, you know, only do that with like certain people. You know, you only have sex with with people that you love and that you're going to have like a like a really intimate connection with that's going to be the most rewarding for you. So anyway, I'm not saying I, that's what has worked with me throughout my life. So I've always been really prudent. And that's why a lot of this, the tantric teachings, I just didn't go into because I, I just felt like, Oh man, this is so leaky. And like, I can't just to be completely honest and transparent. Like I can't be in that. Like, I'm not about that, you know? And, uh, And so I still had this kind of what I thought at the time was like conditioning, you know, but then whenever I went into like the sacred mystery school stuff, what I heard was, okay, Mary Magdalene wasn't just a prostitute. So what she wasn't like a hooker, you know, she was like apparently a sacred prostitute, which is different. They were like in the Greek and Greek you know, times, there were these women that devoted themselves to the pagan gods and they were like holding themselves as the divine feminine for like these men that were going off to war to come and like make love with so that they could, they could get in touch with their feminine and then they could like go back in the world. So I was living out a lot of this like kind of archetypal thing in my relationships, but not knowing it. And, um, and so I started kind of looking into that and I, and Mary Magdalene kind of as an archetype started coming to me. And so Mary Magdalene and and Jesus, like what the rumor is like in these like spots around the world is that Mary was the one that initiated Jesus into the ancient Egyptian sexual, uh, light body practices, which 
Egypt, uh, if you look into their culture, the one thing that you're going to hear is book the dead. Cause they were all about, they were all about being able to like, when you die, your soul is able to like progress, tra- like all of the different crazy realms that you go through and you're able to kind of salvage your spirit. That was like what their whole society was about. And so she was in those like Egyptian and Greek, in my opinion, lineages. And then what I believe happened was she actually helped Jesus in his orgasmic because like we think of sex as like just being there for our pleasure and just being there for procreation right but like sex can also be where we get to experience like what in Indian culture they call like satori which is like complete bliss and like love and peace and they say that the more that we do this the more that we actually infuse that into our light body and some of the practices were you would use your orgasm as a portal to experience death because if you look at biologically what gets excreted when we orgasm it's dmt we get like a tiny little like like and dmt is a spirit molecule by the way in ayahuasca they they that's the main chemical that makes you hallucinate but it's also the chemical that when you give birth when you die in small portions when we dream and when we have sex that's the only time it gets released and it's called the spirit chemical because it it kind of catalyzes this you know what you would call it psychedelic but it's it's these realms of spirit that you get to experience so sexual shamanism going into your sexuality like piecing it apart can be really powerful because not only are you needing to learn like deeper aspects of yourself and like you're getting to explore different realms within yourself but you're getting to like do that with another person eventually too I, I mean, I would, I would say if you're watching this, work on your own sexuality, explore that first, get to know those realms with yourself first. That's what we, I think that's the biggest mistake we make is that we rely on others for our sexual bliss, you know, our sexual pleasure. And then we do all these things to try to derive and contrive to get these things from our partners. So it's like, if we can have that positive relationship with ourself, then these relationships become more harmonious and kind of like a playground. So... That's awesome. Do you and is this what your book is going to be a lot about? Mm-hmm. This the second the topic that we just dove into, yeah. the se- holistic sexuality, not as much the uh, myth and stories and the myths are in there too. They are nice, nice. Yeah. That's when's that? When are you anticipating yeah. on that being released? So in the next, I would say the latest six months, but I'm aiming for four. Okay. We're in the editing process right now, awesome. so we're just editing the first chapter. I've been writing this book for a year. And so it kind of, it kind of overlaps like mythos and it's for women. It's aimed for women. Um, but there are definitely going to be pieces in there that are beneficial for men as well. But, um, it's just all about like becoming a self-sovereign woman, you know, is there a word, is there a title? The Priestess Initiation. Okay, the Priestess Initiation. Ah, that sounds like I think that's going to do really yeah, well. Thank you. So in that, that in that case, back into the other idea, I uh, yeah, I remember people congratulating you for the book doing so awesome. Oh even my. even I remember when someone was congratulating a five hundred thousand in distribution. Oh I don't know who it was, but someone called you and you just got stoked. Do you remember that future? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that feels good. I mean, I I just I really want this to get out there because the the education we have is so is so poor on this stuff, you know. They don't they don't teach us in school how to be with our emotions, how to be with ourselves sexually. It's it's super taboo. And why do you think that is? Where's the roots or where did that come where did the 
going off the road of sexuality and pretending like just giving people like kids rules in schools and yeah. really not diving into that topic. And even parents, like there's a lot of uh, parents, <laughs> like even the meme that like the dad having a sex talk with their daughter when she's like a teenager. Yeah. I'm like, come on guys, you know, they were sexual way before it. Like, is that really the first time sex is coming up? And that's like the idea, the talk, the I people, know. people are avoiding the talk as girls are teenagers. I'm I like, know. holy mackerel that's weird so where did this weirdness this breaking normal not in a good way uh where do you think it's rooted from is it it all intertwined with what we were talking about earlier you believe i i think so i mean a lot of this stuff whenever i talk about it you know i'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist i don't necessarily think that all this stuff was done intentionally i think a lot of it is is ignorance too i mean in the indian cultures they say that like right now what we're exploring and what we're finally just getting out of it was like the dark ages. So I think that we just, we fell into kind of like a consciousness slumber. We just fell asleep to the fact that knowledge is power. Like when we learn about our bodies and our biology, and even more so like when we're open to the mystery um, of life, that's when the magic can come in, you know? So I think that that's, that's, I want to create a lot of the stuff that I've studied. We create our association with sexuality when we're kids like I'm talking about like toddler years and it's not like I'm not I'm not trying to start a conversation about um like this isn't about pedophilia or anything like that because our our ideologies um and how we're programmed in sexuality is like completely non-sexual when we're at that age um and it's the Nagual tradition it's the Native American tradition uh south american that used to teach this so there's this book called kwadoshka don't ask me to spell it i'll just have to like give that i've seen that book on our shelf yes somewhere deanna must have picked that up somewhere along the path so they talk about because deanna is really into the she does the nagual tradition for the dream lineage and what they talk about in there is like for example like curiosity leads to a knowledgeable person innocence or being like humble leads to confidence and like, and um, I'm forgetting what the other two directions are, but it's like, um, like being willing to like be, go into adventure, uh, derives skills, someone that has a high skill set. So it's like these areas and I'm forgetting the, the fourth one, but it's like the four directions that they talk about at a young age, you want your child to be, you want to try to get them to be adventurous, try to get them to be curious, try to get them to be innocent or, or reserve their innocence, reserve their curiosity, um, preserve, not reserve, preserve, um, by giving them space to explore. And that's where I think it went wrong. Like what, um, education is supposed to mean like the um what do you call that the etymology of that word means to draw the horse out of the stable and so the horse was a a synonymous for the spirit so with children what where i feel like we go wrong is we don't allow them to like be their own person because that's breaking normal right Right, that yeah, they can most be... of the time when someone's truly themselves, man, they're weird. Yeah, including myself. <laughs> you know, and I have a I have a son with Down syndrome. Like, I just I've lived in this world of, of of weird and fantastic and magical because of that. My son is so magical. He thinks so different than so many different people. And we have to learn as a society to not stigmatize that, 
to not be afraid of it. And if we would reserve that curiosity in our children, we're going to change the future race because it's that, it's that like shutting down of that inherent curiosity that, uh, that puts us all in a box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. That's a good, let's start the curiosity school. Who's in? Yeah. I like that. The cur- <laughs> I haven't heard of the curiosity school yet. That makes me curious. Yay. Yeah. Uh, your son, Kane, how old is he now? He's going to be 11 August 20th. And, um, he's awesome. I got to meet him the other day. He definitely doesn't seem, cause a lot of people, I think a lot of people in the past, before they hit the age of 11, they uh-huh. started getting a little bit addicted to approval, probably because of the projection of their parents, preachers, peers, and tears, and whatever. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have that too yeah. much, which is really cool. I think that's so awesome. Not at all. Yeah, yeah he doesn't have so, it at all. That's so... And is there... Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, and I'm not even sure if I remember, but uh, like I'm from biology and what I studied technically, what is Down syndrome technically? Yeah. So Down syndrome is, it's the, it's trisomy 21. So it's a mutation. They're actually, I'm going to, what I'm starting to say to Kane is he's like, he's a superhero. Cause like, you know how Spider-Man like he gets bitten and then he gets this like yeah. genetic mutation. My son has a genetic mutation, not making him special. We're all special in different ways, but just um, he, so trisomy 21 is they have a double, they have a double gene and it's actually the gene that gets turned on when we get Alzheimer's. So like Kane, my son, K-A-N-E, not the other Kane from the Bible, it means little warrior in Norse, but I named him that because he is, he is that, he's a little warrior in the best sense, like a warrior of the heart. And, um... Like I'm, I'm trying, like getting, trying to, to, well, actually I don't even need to do anything with Kane. It's just amazing. Like he's just his own being entirely. Yeah. I want to make sure when I said that he's not addicted to approval, he's also very respectful. That's the cool thing. He's not just like a reckless F you kid. He's like really loving and doing what he wants, regardless, I think of what it looks like or what other people think it looks like. And that's kind of like the message of breaking normal. So I'm happy that your son seems to be embodying that so well. (laughs) Him and and Oriah had this like communication going on yeah oh yeah yeah i i don't I, so i don't know much about down syndrome i do know the people that i've known to have it they look different they have a different look that's similar to i think other people that have down syndrome and they seem cheerful like they just seem more oh, yeah, present maybe like less less thinking about the past or future potentially thank you you just like, i don't know got, if that goes for, for him i forgot what i was going to say but then you just gave it back to me so um this is how it beautifully loops together so it's actually like when we get that gene turned on and it's not mutated into like a separate thing which kane has um it's, it expresses itself in Alzheimer's. So like with kids with Down syndrome, it's different than autism because autism kind of creates, um, it's like a hyper intellectual, like they're, they're, they're able to process like 10 times more information. It's just that usually they hone in on something. So it's like, they're not paying attention to the social. Whereas Kane communicates, he, he often forgets the linear, it's like time and space the linear aspect of life is like 
not there for Kane. Like when someone leaves, it's like sometimes tragic for him because he's like, I don't know when this person is going to come back and it's forever. But then shortly after he forgets because it's like, and, and this is how I have to teach Kane. It's like repetitive over and over again because he'll forget, he'll forget. But the beauty of that is like, I call him my little Buddha because he just, his favorite thing to do as a kid, he's like 11 still, like, or, you know, he's getting older, but still since he was like five years old, since he could actually like use his motor skills to like get around, because that's another thing, they're extremely strong because they have, um, they have longer tendons. So it takes them longer for their muscles to like, anyway, it's a long story. I learned it from the therapist. Well, I think this is all uh, awesome information because I imagine a lot of people don't know how to deal with themselves if they're hanging out with someone that has Down syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and I, think I think this it's is very like, illuminating for people. So when a, they meet them, they're like, okay, this, this, like, this is a cool pattern that this yes. person might embody. Just like an athlete can jump really high and just like maybe someone, you know, you mentioned the autistic thing. When I hear someone's there, this autistic thing is crazy in so many ways. But one thing I think about autism, when someone says they have yeah. it or they're on the spectrum, I'm like, oh, I want to know what they can, like when they laser in on something, what happens? Yeah. I'm like, this, pro- this person is probably a specialist genius. Exactly. So let's find your specialty. There's like a person who like, he can't even like this guy who can't even talk, but he like drew the entire city of, of New York just from looking at it once. Wow. Wow. So it's like their information processing skills is immaculate. Kane, it's like his, his skill is presence. He's so present. Like, that's why everything is like, he can take, his favorite activity is taking a leaf, watching it float on the water, or like watching wind go through the trees, or just being like, he just doesn't get this hustle and bustle thing that we do as like people, you know, he's like, whatever, like, this is like, they're, I'm timeless, you know? So, um, these people that live so radically different, if we can be like, not afraid of it, like for someone who, if you see an adult with Down syndrome, it's that same kind of thing. Like if you approach it with curiosity, like, oh, they're different. Like what's their lens like? Mm-hmm. Like how are they seeing life? Rather than thinking there's something wrong with this person. Yeah. And, and and same thing if someone has been pro, uh, prognosis of being autistic or whatever, that's not necessarily a exactly. bad diagnosis. Yeah. It might mean there's like there's something special to look into here and to get curious about it. Yeah. And to unlock that genius. And that's why I love, I mean, I, I had a portion, uh, Dan Ware, uh, before I got into the spirit science stuff where I was just working in gardens. And my main thing was like teaching yoga to these special kids. Cause it was like, I just wanted to be around their uniqueness. <laughs> uh, when you, you say know? they, it was a, you were teaching in a school or yeah, a, okay. I was teaching in my son's school. Okay. So I'd go there like every and how is this a what kind of school is this in here in Sedona or no no this was in North Carolina in the Raleigh um triangle area okay cool yeah so I was there and doing yeah like kids yoga for like kids within the ages of like five to seven wow with with special needs wow that is probably that was I can imagine that being quite the fun (laughs) fun and illuminating experience yeah yeah, that's a, that's a, that I imagine like in that group of people, you never know. Like you, you're probably curious about everyone, yeah. rather than treating them like a herd. Yeah, you're probably like, wow, I'm with a bunch of individuals. Then let's see if we can get into cohesion. Yeah, exactly. 
That's a lot like tribe design. Yeah. <laughs> it's like getting everyone to be themselves and team up. Exactly. Yeah. Because we've been taught so much to homogenize, you know, but it, it takes, it's this biodiversity that get, that brings about the brilliance. Like look at our ecosystems, you know, when we homogenize like our crops, we lose the, the genetic brilliance of like what purple potatoes used to be or whatever. <laughs> so we need to just be, um, yeah, just open a little bit. Yeah, I also think a, heart. another just upgrade for the education system would be flipping the roles. Like that would be a big upgrade if we could just get every if every we can just get this out to the people of the United States of Earth. Um, why don't we just have the kids teach us? Yeah. Like if if you, whatever grade they're in, maybe they we can flip the script and get them to teach the adults. Yeah, like a, well, a fluid system mm-hmm. where we're teaching and learning. Yeah, because when you're a teacher, council. you're also learning. Rather than the uh, preacher on a pedestal exactly. getting getting kids to memorize other people's ideas. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm get, I think the closer Diet Davina gets ready for like a schooling age, which is pretty much now, depending on what we define as school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe we're in the school of life, but Definitely. I think I'm getting more passionate about like probably my resistance to normal schooling. Like when I think back, I'm glad I made it here where, where I'm at right now. Yeah. Because that, that school system is risky. It is. It was risky grounds. <laughs> it was for me. Yeah. Starting with the food. I was, la- yeah, exactly. And I was labeled such a bad kid because I didn't go with the status quo, you know? Yeah, but it's funny how a lot of the bad kids in school are like the good people in the world. Thanks. Doing big things. I feel that now. But at the time I was like, man, I'm such a bad kid. You know, <laughs> like I, don't, I just don't care about this information. But what I do care about, I get so passionate about. Yeah, you know? well, that welcome to being a real human. Exactly. Yeah. So, and if we just lit that up and everybody, the ironic thing is that we would have like somebody, somebody would want to be, like somebody would want to do the things that we try to force everybody to do by get by just paying them to do it, I think. But yeah, my my one of my current solutions to this past situation is speaking in what I would call a truth the truth tense. <laughs> so, like anything that I think that I'm ready to let go of seeing, like I don't even need and it doesn't have to be real anymore. Is I can speak about it in the past tense, and I think that that symbol kind of it's like the other side of the coin, and that might actualize that reality or help yeah. actualize that reality. And then anything that I want more of, I'll speak about it presently, like it's happening as it's happening. Nice. And it's so weird. I don't know if you've ever caught this, uh, and, and I'll put this. Like people used to, this will be tricky, but when, remember when people used to, when they were having fun, they were they were like, if we were having fun together, or you were about to leave, and you were like, that was fun. Yeah. Why not, this is fun? <laughs> I feel like it. when someone says that was fun, they put an end to their fun. For now, until they're ready to have fun again. Yeah. And it, it, that's just a very subtle one, but... um. The other one would be like not saying anything about you, like the word never, never using the oh, word you yes. unless, or we, yes. unless I'm actually wanting that for myself as well. Like I'm treating you how, like, I'm not going to tell oh, you I something about one, you Dan, unless I, awesome. I have something I want to hear about myself. Yeah. Cause it really, that, that sounds like, um, have you studied nonviolent communication? No, a lot of people have asked me that. So I think there must be you some, like a lot of parallels yeah. between the, what, yeah, between that, breaking normal and that, that book, you know, that, that's like the number one, that's what they say like in in fights 
in between in a relationship like that's often how it starts is like you did this to me instead of like i'm feeling like this this makes me feel like this when you do that and then that's more of like a compassionate way to connect with that person rather than like you know like Mm -hmm. like like automatically creating that separation in the mind and then also like speaking it into like yeah that goes pretty deep because then it's like can anyone actually make you feel anything I, I think it can be done with like drugs or physicalness. Yeah. And I think if for someone that's really sovereign in a way and non-dependent upon reactions from others, uh, they they might be in a state or I might be in a state where no one can make me feel anything unless I want to feel that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but we can go. We could go super deep with that. Yeah, one. yeah, then it gets, it gets deep. Like, it, or that, is that person me? No. <laughs> we can go right into that one. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they can. Because I think what's happening right now, which is really interesting, like I think of, I think of this space that we're sharing on Earth. Like ultimately, in the highest realm, we're obviously one. That's what I feel. And then we're just kind of like playing out. We're playing out in this huge game, just being separate from one another. And um, so like on the highest realms and in the, like, for example, if you're in jail, you know, (laughs) you have to decide that that's a prison for you to actually be suffering in that. But then I was just about to say, there's probably a lot of people. And I think I've been, I watched Orange is the New Black. Yeah. A lot of, I think there's a big message in that, that like a lot of people are in self-imposed or they used to be in self-imposed prisons that had nothing to do with the actual jail cell. Yeah. The prison can come in all shapes and sizes for certain people. Well, and we do. And, and that's why I like what you're doing with Breaking Normal too, because we have these, even if you're not in like a physical jail, we have these jails of, I was raised this way, so therefore I can't. Or if I do this, I'm going to upset this person. And obviously there needs to be a weight and balance because it's like do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. But at the same time, if if you're living in a prison and you're not able to do what you want to do, obviously consider um, like the harm that it will do to others and try to keep do that action with as much integrity as possible. But you just like, it's so important to listen to that call and to try to follow that call as compassionately as possible. And to be as truest, like to your own authentic essence as you can be. Yep. That might be uh, many keys to freedom right there. Yeah. 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 And I, I really like that too, because when, when I, my partner Rune, when we get into a disagreement, like that's, that's often how we communicate. Like when you do that, it makes me feel this. And then he gets to explain, oh, well, I was actually thinking that you would like this, or I was, this was my intention. Cause often when, th- when people are doing something, it's often, I mean, unless they're just really, you know, ha- had some really deep suffering or have some sort of programming, which is, I think, a rare percentage of our, you know, society, people, we're not, we're not running around trying to hurt one another, you know? So it's, it's good to assume that everyone is acting in their, in their best interest for everyone else you know, and when you come, when you come from that place, like try to, try to try this on in, in your relationship. Um, the curiosity thing again, like, oh, that person's upset. Like, why? 
they must think something that's incorrect because I wasn't trying to hurt them, you know? And, and this is when intimacy can start because into me, you see, like I can, I can see where you're coming from. And then there's that real place to connect because when we get stuck on these islands of I'm right and, and I'm right, well, maybe you're both right in your own mind, but you're not communicating with each other to be able to see that you have a connection point to clear that and be able to heal that connection. So, um, again, like using relationships as catalysts to help us heal, um, it, it can be so powerful to like explore these kind of like belief systems or like, oh, I thought this was going on, but it was actually like a projection. Once you start like having that deeper conversation with someone. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely the fast lane to growth <laughs> is like there's many fast lanes to growth. Yes. Uh, getting in a committed relationship is definitely one. Yes. Starting a business is definitely one. Yes. Having a kid, having kids, <laughs> kid, big one, <laughs> very fast lane. <laughs> yeah. These are all fast lanes to growth. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when you were saying that one thing that I aim to do differently when I, instead of telling someone how they make me feel, this yeah. is just a little side note. You can see if you like it or not. Okay. I, I just tell, <laughs> I tell them I make myself feel this way. I, like I make myself pissed off when you did that. I made myself angry when you did that. Or I made myself extremely happy when you do that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. This is like another subtle layer of, I'm a bit of a linguologist, so <laughs> Sometimes when I can, yeah, the word becomes fleshed. Boom, here we are. I like it. Yeah, because it's, it's that deep reflection. I mean, I, I used to have so much suffering in my relationships because I wasn't willing to look at my peace and how, how to meet that other person. So I think when you, when you frame it that way, um, it, it, like, it automatically goes like it takes you looking outward and trying to project and blame to like, oh, wait what like what's going on here yeah. and trying to piece it apart yeah i think that'll be that's a future that i'm remembering for my one of my inputs to the education system is getting these memes switched like instead of you instead of we like talking about ourselves like accurately reporting what's happening for mm. us and figuring out how to team up regardless if we agree or not i'm a big uh i like i like that type of education i think we can all use more of that definitely, I definitely can. self-responsibility leads to self-sovereignty mm. And on that case, thank you. Thank you for thank you. Uh, expressing yourself. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. I bet I, I bet we gave people plenty to judge us about, and I trust <laughs> they're going to uh, – I guess I trust they're going to judge their judgments. Maybe they'll be happy they're happy about us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And maybe maybe question, you know, where – where if, if your rev, feathers were ruffled, that's, that's like – that's the portal of entry. <laughs> yeah, I would, <laughs> I would love to know what anyone else's version and any feedback. Feel free to message yeah. us on Instagram. Where's the best people a uh, place, place for people to find you? Yes. Um, so Instagram slash Jocelyn Dare, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-D-A-H-E-R. It's very unique. Mm -hmm, Spelling and all that. Um, and then JocelynDare.com is another place that you can find me if you want to get on the wait list for my book. I just put a nice, landing page nice. on my website Come and you can on. sign up for the wait list um, so that as soon as that comes out, you can buy your copy. So now, that's a good way to do it too. Um, yeah. Now that I learned about launching a book, like having a big 
yes. a big launch is yeah. kind of nice for the algorithms. Yeah. So I'm just now starting like the typical thing that they say like is to start talking about it like three months. So mm-hmm. well, I'm starting now. Is this the first time you talked about it publicly? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's, Imaginary see, cheers. It's like, just like you said, your name's very unique. Do you think that has anything to do with you being very unique? It's like by calling this podcast Breaking Normal, how many times have... I've been in the presence of myself and someone else breaking normal on this podcast, like doing something for the first time. Aww, I've had so many people tell me so that. Great. Like I've never had an interview. This for, oh, this, I've never done it with a headset. Like it's always, and it's, and I've ne- I'm making this announcement for the first time. I'm like, wow, thank you, breaking normal. Yeah. And thank everyone else. Thank y'all for breaking normal. It's definitely yes. helpful to leave uh, a rating review and subscription on the podcast on iTunes. Go check out Jocelyn's book and her Instagram. And I'm excited uh, for what's to come for all of us. Definitely. It's looking good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Peace. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. (laughs) 